25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. What's up? And away we go. Hour number two of the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents you can deal with one-on-one, face-to-face. Speaking of which, speaking of which, I can't wait to introduce you to some of the local Farm Bureau agents from Madison County, right there in Madison. When I come uh, there for the football talk dinner with y'all, there in Jackson at Char Restaurant in early October, October the 3rd at Char Restaurant, football talk with me. And it'll be uh, brought to you by the um, Farm Bureau agents in Madison County, Bob and Ben and Cole, James, and all those guys. So um, y'all come out and see us. I can't wait to introduce you to them. Uh, A bunch of guys will be there, tell you about them. Really appreciate them. And, again, local agents you get to deal with one-on-one. Folks like that, great folks. Just your hometown people, people you're born and raised with, been living there forever. They know everybody. Everybody knows them. And they're accountable, right, because it's family and friends that they're working with. And that's the way it is in Madison County. It's the way it is throughout the state and Farm Bureau. But, again, speaking of that, y'all join us. Presented by our Madison County Farm Bureau agents, uh, Bob Atkins and the guys there. Y'all can go see them right over there on Ebenezer, not too far from the uh, railroad track right there in Madison. Um, But that night, yeah, so we've got five different football film study dinner events, five of them. Starting in September, September 19th, we will see you in Vicksburg at the Anthony. Uh, Later in the month, on the 24th, I'll see you in Starkville for dinner at the Breakfast Club, formerly Cappy's Steakhouse. We'll have dinner, we'll talk football, we'll do scouting reports, and we will watch film together. Really looking forward to that. Then in October, October 1st in Tupelo at Fair Park, um, the, um, excuse me, at Park Heights, Right there at Fair Park, Park Heights Restaurant. And then um, that same week, October 3rd, later in the week, we'll come down to Jackson at Char Restaurant right there, presented by Madison County Farm Bureau, Bob Atkins and the guys. And then uh, we'll wrap it up late October in Hattiesburg at the Purple Parrot. And I hope you'll buy a ticket. There are some tickets left right now remaining. So if you'll go to my website, mattwyattmedia.com, just click on Events. And you'll see it. Pick out the event you want to go to, and it's right there. Coming up, we'll talk with Matt Stinchcomb of the SEC Network and ESPN. Preview a little SEC football with Matt. That's coming up. Uh, reminder, you can text the show. You can be a part of the show that way, 885-ESPN. 
885-ESPN or 885-3776. So text away. And also a reminder that we connect with you every day thanks to C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, C Spire. Customer inspired as C Spire. They can fix your phone. Did you know that? If you want to hang on to the phone you have, it's not time to upgrade or you just like the one you have, you want to hang on to it, but it's a little rough around the edges, banged up. You dropped it, you stepped on it, you drove over it, you dunked it in the toilet. Got my hand up. I've done that. Take it into C Spire. They can fix it for you most times while you wait. Any phone, any carrier, certified phone repair centers, and C Spire stores all across Mississippi. All right. Let's talk a little football with somebody that knows it. Played it at a very, very high level. Former number one draft pick. He is in the College Football Hall of Fame. Former University of Georgia Bulldog and All-American. And now he's an analyst on ESPN. Matt Stinchcomb on your radio right now on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Matt, it's game week, man. I know last week was sort of game week. We had one game, but this week we got a bunch of games. Congrats, man. You made it. I know it. Yeah, last week was more like the apps, right? We got a couple just just to whet the appetite, but it gets real this yep. week. We've got some good ones coming up. No doubt about it. What would you think of Florida-Miami before we move on? Um, I thought, boy, it was an awful slop fest, but I was glad to have it. Grateful they were willing to submit themselves to the abuse that comes with being one of two games on the national stage, uh, which I think is part of it, right? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. – um, and we've had these big opener neutral site type games before, but you know when you're one of two, then you know all the eyeballs are on you. It's kind of like Monday Night Football um, in the NFL, and of course now Thursday Night Football. Here pretty soon we'll play football every night, but at some point in time, uh, at least in this instance, you got everybody that's following college football watching your ball game, so it's going to get scrutinized up one side and down the other, and that's probably I think a lot of what's going on right now. The sky's falling for both programs, which is kind of unique, seeing as how one of them actually won the game. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Put that first week behind you, then move on to the games uh, this week. Brett yeah. Norsworthy, um, Brett Norsworthy up in Memphis. He's on the pregame, postgame for the Ole Miss Network. I thought he – I love the way he described it on our show yesterday, Matt. He said it was the best thing on television and the worst thing on television. He said it was lovably bad. And I thought, yeah, that's it, okay? It wasn't great, <laughs> great. product, but – Man, I watched uh, every snap and was glad to watch it. You know, I'm sure you were the same way. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, and I'm with Brett, too. That's, that's exactly what it is. Is that, you know, it's um, it's like, uh, I don't know, maybe it was Churchill that said about democracy is the worst form of government except for all the others. <laughs> you know, that was the worst game on TV, except it was the only game on TV. Yeah. So it was, uh, what do you say? Uh, lovably. What? Lovably Ugly. bad. <laughs> Probably bad. Yeah, that's right. That sounds good. That that's works it. for me too. That's right. That's right. It's kind of like when your kids come in the house, they're covered in mud and they track it in the house, but it's something cute about it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. And exactly. Hey, but you're, but you're grateful that the kids are home, right? That's it. They're came fine. in mud all over the place, but grateful y'all made it home. That's exactly right. Matt Stinch, come on your radio uh, right now. What intrigues you across the SEC the most this week in the what is week one? Uh, Auburn run game. I want to see what Bo Nix looks like as a true freshman. Um, you know, a lot of people commenting on the fact that he was named. I think it was the first time since what the forties. I think 
that Auburn's had a true freshman taking the first snap of the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty pretty rare, I would have to say. Um, half a century and all, more than that, involved. Uh, but the fact that you've got what's thought to be one of the best offensive lines in the country, in Oregon's, where they've got, I think, 137 or something combined starts. That's a lot of ball. Um, four seniors and I think a sophomore up front for those guys, taking on what I think is one of the best defensive lines, if not the best defensive line, that you're going to find in college football this year. When you've got Derek Brown, who easily could be playing on Sundays, and I, I do mean playing, not just on a roster. Um, that guy's got every piece of uh, skill set you'd ever want anybody to have. Marlon Davidson gets forgotten. Um, he's a really good football player. And then, uh, of course, uh, Nick Coe uh, that's outside. They've got a nasty front. And I'd love to, I can't wait to see what they're going to do um, versus Oregon and what is thought to be you know, a, a hard-nosed program that Mario Cristobal's kind of started out there for those guys. That's a that's just a fun matchup to have in week one. Best O-line versus the best D-line. And we'll just find out which one's real and which one's got some work to do. Matt Stench, come on your radio. Y'all follow him on Twitter if you don't already. It's at mstench79. That's him. Give him a follow. Um, regarding Alabama and Duke, nobody – really is debating it we kind of feel like we know the outcome going in but as I looked at it too and just started learning more and more about Duke I've kind of seen them win a bunch of games from a distance but Matt I know this is another conference here they're playing Alabama but the job that David Cutcliffe has done and is doing at Duke is it not incredible and and is it underappreciated just what he's been able to do there David Cutcliffe regardless of how much praise people heap on him He'll still be underappreciated. That's how high regard I hold uh, Coach Cutcliffe in. He's, we did a game with him, gosh, I don't even know, it was probably seven or eight years ago, and Duke's playing North Carolina. They got him at home. They hadn't beaten Carolina, and I can't remember how long. It was one of those streaks, you know. Um, they ended up winning the game on a last-second touchdown pass to this Crowder kid. But just meeting with uh, Coach Cutcliffe, and I'd bumped into him over the years. He was the offensive coordinator, obviously, at Tennessee when, when we were playing, you know. And he, um, he just owns whatever room that he's in. And I don't care who else is in the room with him. He just does. And he doesn't have to try. He's got that kind of presence to him. He's got that kind of gravity to him. And the fact that he's been able to do it at Duke um, – it should be surprising. That's more contextual than it is a comment on his abilities. Is that, you know, it's Duke, right? This basketball school, it's not an easy place to win. Um, you're always going to be second to that program, and you're also going to be subject to high academic standards, et cetera. Um, they don't make any compromises. They don't make up, you know, fake classes at Duke. Um, it's real. And yet he was winning ball games. And if Steve Spurrier, hadn't won a conference championship in 89, I think, uh, when he was at Duke, um, you'd have to sit there and really weigh out if David Cutcliffe isn't the most accomplished coach that Duke's ever had. And you could still make an argument that he is. Um, but it's, it's other than Spurrier's high watermark, that's pretty special. And he knows what he's tangling with and, and what they're signed up for. 
uh, here in a couple of days with Alabama, and they're overmatched. So um, what I love about David Cuckliffe is, is he says you pick a strength and you attack it. You don't look for a weakness in a great team because there's just not enough of one. And you think, gosh, brilliant, so smart. Why, why try to nibble at the edges of a team like Alabama? They've got a weakness, sure, but it's, their strengths are way too big and too good and too significant. They just cover up that weakness, so don't try to attack that. They've already compensated for it elsewhere. Pick one of their strengths and see if you can't go after it. And I don't think they're going to have the horses to make it look real good for very long, but at least he's got a strategy that is workable versus a fool's errand like, you know, let's pick something that they're weak at, like deep snapping, or I don't even know what. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what either. Uh, it's it's hard to pick out one of those uh, for sure. What about Georgia? Do they have any weaknesses? They've got question marks, uh, and who knows? You know, it, this is the, the fun part about all this is we can look at these teams, Alabama included, and I'm like, man, these things, these guys are infallible. Yeah, right. and even after Alabama played most of the season last year, we're going, man, this might be one of the best teams ever assembled. They're unbeatable until they aren't. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So you know, it's it's um, we'll find out. Now the truth is, you, you look at Georgia and they have question marks at wide receiver. I think they're going to be fine. That's also a function of can they keep Jake Fromm healthy? Because uh, are you fine at receiver when you've got what I think is an, an underappreciated quarterback? Uh, I think you are. Um, I think are you fine at receiver when you got a bunch of question marks and young guys need to emerge and unproven guys needing to step up when you don't have that underappreciated quarterback available or something happened to Fromm? No, you're not. And I don't care how good these guys show out to be. But, yeah, they've got question marks. You know, they're going to have some guys that are going to have to step up in their secondary. Their linebacking core looks pretty good. They still don't have an established pass rusher. They don't know who that guy's going to be. And if it is, if they do get one, it's likely going to be a young player, a young guy. Um, nothing wrong with that, but it's not as if you're sitting there going, man, we've got two veteran outside uh, pass rushers like they had in 2017. There's no candidates for that this year. So they've definitely got their question marks. And who knows, you know, what's thought to be a major strength. Everybody looks at this big, bad offensive line, and you think, yeah, if they show up and play the way they did versus, say, a Kentucky a year ago, sure. That's a big, bad offensive line. They show up and play like the way they played versus, say, a Missouri a year ago. Mm-hmm. You know, now you got some problems. So um, Georgia doesn't look like they got a ton of weaknesses, but um, you got to see how strong those strengths are in that week one. Sure. You know, in, in, in week one, everybody hitting the field for the first time, Matt, um, you know, it's like there's two trains of thought sometimes One of the, for a lot of people. And one of those is, well, in week one, teams aren't as sharp. You know, they're still working out bugs and lines on games will be closer in week one and all that, that kind of stuff. Do, do you kind of see it that way across the board? Or is it really – some teams are just prepared, and some teams aren't for that first ball game. Yeah, um, you know, it's, it, I think that there's no way to simulate a game. Um, there's there's ways that you can try. There's no good ways to simulate a game. I should say scrimmages. I don't care. Just yeah. Even if you know you get in the pros, and sometimes you'll scrimmage with other guy, other teams um, in camp, and even that's not doesn't get close to a game. Sure. I mean, you know how it ratchets way up in game time and on the field on, on a Saturday. And then, 
you know, you make the playoffs or something. Uh, you know, playoff football in the pros is different from regular season football. It just is. Um, it's not the guys aren't trying. It's that they find another gear that you hadn't seen for weeks. Um, and it's the same here. You know, it's you just can't simulate it. So because of that, you never really know. Because there's guaranteed roster turnover in college, uh, and boy, more so now than ever, right? Because you know you don't lose guys just to maybe academics. Uh, or suspension, or graduation, or early departure to the NFL, or exhaustion of eligibility, or whatever. Now it's you lose them to transfers left and right. right. Um, because of that, uh, you don't really know what you have. How do you know what you have until you actually get out there and start, you know, keeping score when it counts? So because of that, it's how guys react. You know, what does it look like when? You know, Florida the other night, if they don't fumble on their, uh, what was it, their second offensive possession, I right. want to say, they mm-hmm. scored on the first one after the fake punt, and that Kadarius Tony kid makes a great play. And then they drive the ball down, and you can see uh, that uh, Felipe Franks, he's just trying to pull that ball and stab in a slant real quick. It's a touchdown. And that ball just gets hung on, I think it was P. Ryan's hip, just long enough to where he fumbles. And they're on the, they're inside like the 10-yard line, I want to say. They put that ball in there. It's fourteen to three, and I think the Gators cruise to victory, but they don't. And then all of a sudden, all that sloppiness really starts to show up and gets to be a bigger and bigger deal. So you know, and that's one play. Now, who knows? Maybe it wouldn't have broken that way, but I think that was a pivotal moment in the ball game. So you know, maybe we're not talking about you know teams playing sloppily and in, in week ones and weeks uh, the first games and that sort of thing. Maybe we're just talking about how good the Gators might be this year, and instead they fumble on the second possession, and we're like, man, these guys, I don't know, they might not win eight games. (laughs) Well, who knows? Maybe they just had a bad opener. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. You know, we... I guess it's maybe an over, after the anticipation of the first games, the, then the you know subsequent overreaction to it that, that maybe we get. And so in on that note, in regards to reaction, what was your reaction, kind of gut feeling, when you got the news last week that State, Mississippi State, was going to have to, they were, even though we don't know for sure which players, that there's going to be 10 players that will miss eight games apiece this year. How did that land on you? That's a lot of dudes for a lot of ball, right? Yeah. And you yeah. know, depending on who's what, you gotta think. Um, you know what? You know, first and foremost, you want those guys to get the message that you know that type of behavior um, not acceptable, right? Right. And so, um, and everybody within that program, I think, wants that message to be sent. Certainly, NCAA is um, going to ride herd on that whole deal. But just from a pure cold calculus of football, you're sitting there going, "That's a lot of bodies for a lot of games." Um, and you're talking about depending on where those players happen to contribute um, position-wise, that could be significant. You know, you're talking about a defensive front that hemorrhaged talent from a season ago, guys that are going to be changing games at the NFL level now. Well, those guys aren't easy to replace, but there was a lot of them too. And so because of it, you're thinking, hmm, that's not only going to be hard to replace, but from a quality standpoint, but from a quantity standpoint, so you start dropping bodies, um, uh, due to suspension, and you, know, you think about the way the game's played now, especially, um, and you can take other positions as well. Um, but defensive line, you need depth. You got to be able to roll bodies in there. 
a lot of tempo teams out there, a lot of teams that are run-oriented. You know, a guy that's out there for a 10-play drive, if it's a 10-play drive and it's a quick passing team, a bunch of three-step drops, you know, defensive linemen can survive that sort of thing as long as it's not that horizontal passing game stuff where you're chasing down bubble screens. But you can survive it. It's a 10-play drive, yeah. and they're seeing downhill power for seven of them or whatever it is. That guy, once you get a D-lineman tired, mm-hmm. you don't get them back. Once they're done, they're done. There is no, hey, go get some oxygen and drink some water. We'll let them rest for a few series and we'll get them back. No, you won't. That's just that's a, a fact. Once the big guys, O-linemen too, once you've, once you've cashed them out, that's it. You're not going to get anything worth having after that. So if you can't roll uh, bodies in there, um, then that can be a problem. And who knows, if that's where it pops up for state, that's an issue, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. you just got to uh, – it'll be interesting to see where it's manifested. Um, and, you know, you hate to see it, but it's an important lesson. Guys got to learn. Um, and, you know, you hope that they learn from it. And we'll see if state can survive it, depending on, you know, what type of personnel hit they're, they're ultimately going to be taking with that whole thing. Matt? Good stuff as always, buddy. I know it's early in a week and what is going to be a busy week for you with travel included um, and, and for the foreseeable future. So I just appreciate you jumping on here on a Tuesday. It's good to hear your voice, and we'll be listening and watching this weekend, man. Thank you. May always happy to jump on here with you, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, have a good one. That's uh, Matt Stinchcomb. SEC Network, ESPN analyst, former number one draft pick of the Raiders out of Georgia in the late 90s. He was an All-American offensive lineman at Georgia. Great career in college football. Great guy. Good analyst, too. And, you know, it's one of those where when Matt talks, you don't get a ton of hot takes, but I'm just telling you, when he talks football, you, you need to pay attention. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. He's not screaming at you. What a big What a biggin'. That's what I'm talking about. It is a biggin'. It's a big week. A big week of football. Weeks like this, you know what I wish. What do you wish? I wish Leonard Post Toasties was still alive. Another load of smart pills has been distributed, and I'm slap worn out. So I'll just say, so long, neighbors. Get me out of here, Percy. Don't you wish stuff like that was still around? I do. Some of the old stuff. But, you know, that's the thing about, you talk about content, like the opposite of evergreen content is predicting games that week. (laughs) Right? Because once they play those games, man, that content is out. But I guess if you go far, if it's entertaining enough and you go far enough down the line, it's entertaining to go back and listen to it. Uh, I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Really happy to be able to uh, join you. Again, I mentioned this earlier, be able to join you some of these stops. Um, my wife and I are planning, uh, you know, with you, for you, five different stops for a football talk dinner, football talk with me. We'll have dinner, good food, good conversation, 
We'll talk football. We'll answer questions. We'll do scouting stuff. And we'll watch some film together, learn a little football together, just kind of have a night of it. Coming to Vicksburg, Starkville, Tupelo, Jackson, and Hattiesburg all over the next couple of months. And if you'd like to get a ticket for one of those events, we're coming to those places again. Vicksburg, Starkville, Tupelo, Jackson, and Hattiesburg. And tickets available at my website, mattwyattmedia.com. Just go to events, and I'll see you there. Really appreciate the folks at Farm Bureau, Farm Bureau Insurance, uh, supporting it, being a part of it, making it happen. And I'll be glad to spend some time with you. Looking forward to that. It'll be fun. Especially you get you know another month or two into it, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Uh, there'll be a lot of water under the bridge for sure. So we'll see you there. Again, mattwyattmedia.com. Just go to the events tab and get your tickets right there, and I'll see you soon. Lots of folks have bought them already, so we're going to have a crowd. All right, here's some news for you. I, I, I don't think it's really a surprise to a lot of folks. You, as a sports fan, probably caught wind of this over the last couple of weeks, but I'm just giving you an update. I think it's of interest to you. But, you know, Hugh Freeze, he's now the head coach at Liberty University. Aren't they Liberty University? Like last the flames. week, the flames. Last week, Roger, I said the University of Auburn, and <laughs> my tweet after that was, "Should I just resign or walk out and see what happens?" When you say something like the University of Auburn, I mean, come on, Matt. <laughs> anyway, um, Liberty, I used to just say Ohio when I meant Ohio State, just because it made the <laughs> text line fire up. Oh boy, all it takes is one Ohio State fan or one Michigan fan. They're an indignant bunch. Gracious. Real quick. So the news on Hugh Freeze is that he's not he may not be on the sideline for the first game. And he, he got knocked down hard. Let's see here. Let's see. Hugh Freeze doesn't know if he will be on the sideline for his debut with the Flames against Syracuse on Saturday night. Right now, he's not on the field. He is helping to run practices from a hotel room. He had back surgery on August the 16th, and he's been staying in a hotel near campus because he's not allowed to climb steps, including at his home. So the IT department is hooking him up via video monitors to uh, camera angles so that he can watch practice from his room. He's able to speak with coaches and players during practices via an audio hookup. Uh, he's even called plays to be run during some of the workouts. And then here's a line in the story. It says, the experience has been odd. <laughs> I thought, boy, I bet. So anyway, there's your update. So back surgery. He had an infection in there, Roger. It became really serious there for a moment. They just caught it in time. Yeah. I mean, didn't they? I think the what's the name of the university president there? I don't know. Jerry's son fall, some is Falwell. It, is it a Falwell? Okay. Uh, but anyway, they flew the had him flown out to Las Vegas, didn't they? To consult, or they went and got a doctor and brought him back. I, really? I forget how it went, but they oh yeah, they went all out to help him out. Yeah, they love him. Yeah, what an odd thing. Just you know, scenario. You know what? It's a lot. Well, it's not like it. I guess it's just similar in that it's just this totally different scenario when your coach is ailing. But do you remember a few years ago when? Derek Dooley was the head football coach at Tennessee, and he had a bad leg or like a broken leg or a bad knee or something. And 
for a few games, he was not on the sideline. He went up in the coach's booth. Like, so he's sitting in the booth because he can't stand on the sideline. So the head coach isn't on the field. That's one thing. But then there were a few games after that where I'm not joking. Y'all, for, y'all remember? Derek Dooley went on the Tennessee sideline and coached with crutches and, and one of the lackeys carrying a stool around. And on the sideline, they'd sit that stool down and he'd sit on it. <laughs> I'd never seen anything like it. Because look, man, a, a, a sideline is no place for somebody who can't move quickly if they need to. Now, these people with this VIP pass around their neck, kind of take their life into their own hands some when they stand around the sideline and don't pay attention. And we've seen people get knocked over and rolled up and turned to flip when the play comes out of bounds sometimes. But when you're a coach, you have bad legs. Well, and look, I'll be honest with you. It's like last year we were at Kansas State. And um, you remember Bill Snyder. Last year was Bill Snyder's final year to coach. He retired. He was way on up in his 80s. And that was the thing about him. I mean, he's not he's in great shape for someone of his age, but I remember talking about that in a conversation at some point like what are they going to do if you know, a play in a game goes barreling into their sideline, which has happened in just about every game, and he's in the path. I mean, what are they going to do? I'm looking at a headline from back in 2012 when uh it was on Tennessee Volunteers football. <laughs> Derek Dooley, colon, coaching from a stool is a terrible idea for a Tennessee coach. <laughs> and the way they put it, you talk about the sports writers have a way with the language. He says, uh, we're, there's a reason why football coaches do not sit on stools on the sidelines. We're talking about coaches who have coached into their 80s, coaches who are battling weight issues and a wide assortment of physical ailments and still do not use a stool. Why? Why? Because it would be safer to walk across a busy highway while dressed like concrete. <laughs> it is. I mean, they went to, on. To, they went on to go on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be over there like that, it's just, you know. So even when Freeze comes back, you know, whenever that is for the games, he might want to be up in the booth because if you're on the sideline, you got to be able to move. Well, lady, you know what? This explains everything. The Booger Mobile. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It's available. <laughs> it is, isn't it? The man been parted out, like you said earlier. I mean, coaching from a stool. Hey, when I was a kid, you know, some kids, it doesn't mean they, they're bad or they grow up to be this way. It's just some kids, that, and they tell fibs, tell lies, like to tell big tales, stories. It's a phase, you know. Yeah, it's just a phase. There was this guy I went to, high sc- went to high school with this guy who was, he was like a massive human being. He was built like a five-star lineman, except he wasn't more interested in playing ball than anything. And it, but he told a lot of big stories. He made up stories about crashing an airplane. But he told us one day that when he was a kid in the seventh and eighth grade that he had, like, baseball scouts coming to watch him play. He was that good. I said, what position? He said, high and catcher. <laughs> like, all right, look, that's one dead giveaway. You're lying when you say high and catcher. And then he told me he had bad knees, and so they used to just sit a stool behind home plate. He'd sit on that and catch. (laughs) Where's that strike zone, man? (laughs) Oh, boy. That's a short little stool. Now you're lying, and you called it high and catcher.
<laughs> Sounds like a character I'd like to meet. I think he's a youth minister now. That makes complete sense. <laughs> Y'all stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. That's right, so sit down and buckle up. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast service, friendly service. One-on-one. And that's what you get at Farm Bureau. Money talks, and what is it they say walks? <laughs> What's that old saying, Roger? Bull hockey. Yeah. I use sound effects on the radio most times. Money talks and bull <laughs> walks. <laughs> That'll work. Listen to this. <laughs> the NFL has made an exception to rules limiting the use of tinted helmet shields because it's the crux of a new sponsorship agreement with Oakley's football division. <laughs> Oakley sunglasses? Now it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, it had a rule. Let's see. Uh, the 2019 rule book remains unchanged on the issue from previous years. It states, and I quote, that clear shields in a player's helmet are, quote, optional equipment, but that tinted eye shields may be worn only after the league office is supplied with appropriate medical documentation and approval is subsequently granted. Meaning, check. Well, like, it's got to be doctor approved. Like missing school in the second grade. You got to have a doctor's excuse, right? You got to have a doctor's excuse. Medical. Do- See, look, I just hate all the legal stuff. Ain't no step for a stepper, though. When when we were in grade school, Roger, they would say, bring a doctor's slip. Bring the doctor's permission. Bring a note from the doctor. But in the NFL, we have to say, Appropriate medical documentation. And then they says they will approve it subsequently. That's the rule if you're going to wear a shield in your helmet that is tinted. But hold on a minute. (laughs) The four-year deal between Oakley Sunglasses and the NFL announced Tuesday allows NFL players to wear Oakley's Prism Clear Shield beginning this season. The equipment has a slight color tint engineered to help optimize detail recognition in the football environment, according to the company. This is Oakley's uh, swing at blue blockers. (laughs) Blue blockers. The blue blockers. Roger, there are no millennials that know what we're talking about right now. But there's nobody our age, my age, your age, who missed that campaign? <laughs> Who were out of reach of the Blue Blockers ad campaign? Those commercials were everywhere. Remember when they had the guy that made up the rap? Because like these things yeah. came along in the late '80s, early '90s, and there was a guy on one of their commercials who made up a rap about Blue Blockers. 
and I and always at the end, you know, I think I'm going to keep these. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm actually I'm about to take off running. See y'all. These are exactly. so good. I'm going to steal them. Blue blockers. See, here's what it says. They're calling it Prism Clear. They're saying that this particular shield that Oakley is making, which, by the way, they have now a partnership with the NFL, ad relationship, has a slight color tint engineered. But So they're telling me that the shield is tinted, but it helps me recognize details in a football environment. (laughs) All right. Money talks and bull walks. One other word of warning, Roger, you told me that at one time in your life you were a weightlifter. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a bodybuilder. Did you take... Substances, no. no. Okay, so not that kind of stuff. No. All right. What about energy bars, the energy gel now that you, you no. know? Never like that stuff. It'll make me jittery. What about sugary sports drinks? If Gatorade is sugary, sometimes. Oh, I've had a and lot then they had of that, Then they had that, uh, what's the other thing they come out with now? That's Powerade. It's yeah, everywhere. Powerade. Yeah. yeah. You can get that zero. I like that. A new study finds that jocks have some of the worst oral health rates despite brushing their teeth more frequently than most people. Research team recruited 352 Olympic and professional athletes in sports like cycling, swimming, rugby, football, and hockey. The results were alarming. Nearly half had untreated tooth decay. Most of their gums were inflamed. Also found that many of the athletes suffer from gingivitis. Bad breath. 94% said they brushed their teeth at least twice a day. Now, they lied about that. Yeah. Floss, too, I'm sure. Listen, the study thinks that it's because athletes eat more energy bars and gels and they drink sugary sports drinks mm. and that it causes tooth damage. What about just old good old fashioned water and bananas? Man, when I was in high school, there for a couple of years, I don't know why they did this, Roger, but there for a couple of years, early years of high school, it's hot. We're playing football in August and September. You come in the locker room at halftime, you're just ready to catch your breath and rest a minute and get something to drink, get some water. Maybe they got water for you. Maybe they have, you know, Gatorade back then. My high school, we'd come in there, and they had these two big rolling coolers things, the big round rolling coolers, you know, full of ice, and had Cokes in there. <laughs> yeah, just what ice. happened today, I bet. Ice-cold Coke in a can. And players drinking that stuff, thinking that they're hydrating. We thought we were hydrating at halftime, drinking Coke. Now, Again, you're deoxygenating. <laughs> it's the worst thing you do. Right. Because all that caffeine and carbonation, what is it? It's basically a diuretic. So then before they even get out of the locker room, everybody's got to go to the bathroom. You know. And then it's not rehydrating you like it would be if you were drinking water or something. 
Coke at halftime. What a bad idea. I want to go back to some of those people, Roger. And, and again, it's like something we said at the beginning of today's show. There are certain things out there. There's nothing wrong with, you know, you take risks. You try to go into uncharted territory. But there are some things that you look at it and you go, how in the world could grown people sit around a table and say to themselves, this is a good idea? Why did they ever allow people to smoke in an airplane? Holy cow. Smoking in an airplane. A lot of bad things. Hey, I found this uh, audio. See if you recognize You you mind? Yeah, let's hear it. Hang on just a second. All right. Uh, other button. All right, now, I'm real fast. Let me tell you what I'm thinking. This should come to pass. My name is Geek. I put them on as a shocker. Man, I love these blue blockers. Everything is clear. They block out the sun. Oh, yeah, I got to get me some. Everything is groovy now. I'm the bull in my speech. This is what I do up and down Venice Beach. My name is Geek. I'm more than a hip hopper. And I'll be cheap in my blue blockers. Yeah. Now, what do I mean? Yes, these sunglasses are really, really keen. Off the cuff. <laughs> oh, he used hip hopper and he loves his blue blocker. Hip hopper and blue blockers. That's the old blue blockers commercial. Ninety three. 1993? Yeah. They they did it for like several You probably still buy the thing. The worst looking sunglasses ever marketed. Other than the Bill Dance fishing glasses you could get at Walmart. And if you watch the Bill Dance fishing show on Sunday afternoons on TBS or whatever, wherever that was. And he'd wear those big, you know, because they were polarized, you could see into the water with the Bill Dance sunglasses. You could oh, put yeah, those them things on. Make, yeah. You know what I mean, Roger? Like, you could see the fish with those on. I mean, Bill Dance wears them. He catches those big largemouth bass in those stock ponds on an orange plantation in Florida. So surely they'll help me catch fish. <laughs> my favorite uh, my favorite Bill Dance footage was always the bloopers. Oh, Him yeah. and those geese, man. Bill Dance was great. I got to interview Bill Dance one time. Was he a nice guy? Very nice. It was a charity golf event. At Old Waverly, that Mossy Oak, I think it was for Make-A-Wish, and, and it would raise money for Make-A-Wish. Mossy Oak would bring in all these celebrities, and it was at Old Waverly. At Fuzzy Zeller, I got to interview Fuzzy Zeller and all this different stuff. And Bill Dance doesn't play golf. Bill Dance launched his aluminum boat in the pond in the middle of Old Waverly and was fishing. And I flagged him over to the bank. I got in his boat, I got on one knee holding the camera on my shoulder and started interviewing him. And as he started talking, I realized I had put my knee, it was in July. I placed my knee, Roger, down on one of those little metal key slots on his rod locker. And it was about a thousand degrees and it was burning a hole into my knee. But I didn't end the interview. I just kept right on going. This was Bill Dance. I couldn't ask him to start over. I think I still have a circular scar on my knee where I fried it that day, <laughs> not wanting to interrupt my Bill Dance interview. Now, curious minds want to know, did he catch anything? He caught a bunch. He had a live well full of crappie he caught in that pond. Sure did. Yeah. All right, see you tomorrow. 
See ya. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.